0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Close for Maintenance podcast. In today's episode, we are joined by sobriety influencer, two-times author, baseball mom, and licensed massage therapist, Ebony K. English. Born a true Southern girl and raised in Columbia, South Carolina, growing up, Ebony struggled to find her place in the crowd and always felt like the underdog. At a very young age, she battled with insecurities, anger, resentment, and a broken heart due to the absence of her biological father. In an attempt to fill her fatherless void, she found herself suffering in silence and using alcohol as a coping mechanism, beginning at the age of 19. In her book, Saved Sober and Sitting Pretty, she describes her first encounter with alcohol as love at first sip. After 12 years of self-medicating, she made the life-changing decision to make peace with her broken pieces in January of 2015 and has been recovering, renewing, and reclaiming her sense of self-worth ever since. In today's episode, I reveal some of the real-time challenges I'm facing with not drinking. Ebony explains how she's made it nine years sober and how the journey has been thus far with getting to know yourself again for the first time as a result of this absolute lifestyle change, let's get into the conversation. Hey Ebony, welcome to the Clothes for Maintenance podcast. Hey,
1: girl. <laughs> How, are you? How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing well, you know, life is life, and but you know, you keep it moving. How do you do <laughs> it?
0: I'm doing good, life is life, and too, but we're here. <laughs> I'm just grateful that you say yes. I know I reached out to you a while and it took us some time to get the scheduling and everything together, but I get a lot of questions about my recent journey to sobriety Mm -hmm. and you literally were one of the first women that came to mind when I was even coming up with the concept for this podcast because, Mm -hmm. and it was funny enough, it was before I decided to even try to be sober. Okay. (laughs) I just have been so inspired by your journey. I don't even remember how we totally connected. I know it was on Facebook and I know that I met you at an event I had years ago. Yes. Yeah. At the Brand You Like a Boss Bootcamp in Charleston. And we've just been connected online on Facebook more in particular ever since. And your journey of being sober, what, nine years
1: now? Yes, girl. Nine years. (laughs) Oh my God. Does it seem like that long? Because it's a long time. It does not. It does not. I think once I got past maybe year four, it was just like, okay, so this is life now, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you get used to it. So I couldn't think of a better way to give people the tea because they were like, how did you, what did you do? Like, what made you decide that you wanted to give up alcohol? And I didn't want to answer too many questions because I knew I was going to have this conversation with you. And this is going to be a learning thing for me too, because I'm really intrigued by your story and I really want to go back to when you started and like those things. So quick backstory on really when I knew God was telling me to invite you on, I was talking to one of my friends and I was telling her about my sobriety journey. And I told her that when I initially reached out to you, I had no intentions on sharing my sobriety journey. I was going back and forth in my mind, like, do I publicly share this? And I'm going to be honest, the reason why I didn't want to publicly share that I was trying to be sober was because I felt like it was going to hold me accountable and that it was going to make me like, I couldn't just show up with a drink in my hand because I'm out here supposed to be sober, you know? And like, I really battled with that, Ebony. I was like, do I share this part or do I leave it just in case I slip out? Or just in case I feel like I need a drink and now I got to do it at home where nobody can see me. Like, honestly, those were thoughts that I had. And God finally was like, how are you going to remain authentic if you're not authentic in even this? And that's an excuse for you to go back to what you are trying to get away from if you don't publicly share. And I know people have their things about sharing before it's time, but I really felt strongly that In order for my journey to continue to have the impact that I had to hold myself accountable publicly and say, y'all, I'm sober, Mm -hmm. so that I held myself to a certain level of accountability in all of this. And so before we get started, I just want to say thank you for publicly sharing your journey all these years. And I just can't imagine how difficult it might have been in the beginning and how difficult it might even be now sometimes. And so I want to get into all of that and talk about our relationship with alcohol and learning to love ourselves outside of that, which is something that I'm learning to do. So take us back. It's been nine years since you've been sober. Yes. I got to know, Ebony, what made you make the decision? What, what was the life changing thing that happened?
1: So my life changing moment, it came via my son who was seven years old at the time. And what happened was it was a Friday night. One Friday night, I had gone out to support one of my friends. He's in a band. He plays the, what does he play? The guitar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was just, you know, a regular old Friday night. Him, me, my best friends, we taking shots of tequila. That was my drink of choice. Okay. Until it was gone, then whatever was available was my drink of choice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I felt that. so, I remember coming home that Friday night, but first I had to pick my son up from my grandmother. So, I picked him up. I'm driving home, 10 to 2, windows down, music blasting. Cause you know, I'm still trying to be aware of what's right. going around me, right? I get him in the house and he looks at me. He's like, Mommy, I'm hungry. And I'm like, Sheesh, I barely got us home. Yeah. <laughs> like, Dang it. I barely got us home. So, figuring out dinner is probably not about to happen. Yeah. So I called one of my sorority sisters. I was like, hey, can you bring Jalen something to eat? She brought him two cheeseburgers. He ate and we both went to sleep. So that Saturday morning, Natasha, he was standing beside my bed and when he was finally able to get me aware and awake. He was crying hysterically. So I'm looking at my baby and I'm like, Jalen, what's wrong? And he looked at me. And he said, he said, mommy, were you sick last night? And I'm like, no, why? And as I went to console him, I realized that my vomit was all over my bedroom floor. Oh, man. Right. So then I'm like, well, up until this point, I've done all the things under the influence. I've had sex under the influence. I've wrecked my car. I've made terrible decisions under the influence. But it was almost like, okay, we have to cue Jalen to save this girl's life. God is like, we have to cue Jalen because he knew my desires to always be a great mother. Mm -hmm. So it was going to take him. So as I'm consoling my son, I'm like, God, I don't know what a life without alcohol looks like. I don't know what it feels like. I don't have an example of that around me. But what Mm -hmm. I do know is that my child deserves better childhood memories. Right. So that was the day that I made the decision. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what I was going to do. But what I knew is that I I could not drink anymore.
0: So did you cut alcohol out cold turkey? Cold turkey. Okay, and that was one of my questions is because I get that question. It's like, you just cut it off cold turkey. Did you just kind of wean yourself off of it? I decided to cut liquor from my diet because, similar to what you were saying, my experience with it was just not healthy. Right. You know, doing things under the influence, not remembering things the next day, hangovers going from quick. T- b- bounce back till now i gotta be in bed all weekend i'm not getting <laughs> tyler's doing whatever whatever his mind tell him to do because i don't got the energy nor do i care you know very toxic very unhealthy and i just realized ebony i was like this ain't it how is this it this can't be it and i realized that it was always when i drank that dog on tequila
1: tequila girl
0: It's no middle ground with it. It's either real good or real bad. And the real good gonna have its consequences (laughs) eventually.
1: So
0: I don't know. I just found myself making those bad decisions. But I'll be honest, the kidney transplant really forced me to have to take better care of my body. I was like, there's no way I'm giving up an organ and I cannot continue to drink like that. And disclaimer, y'all, I was not drinking every day, but I definitely drank more than I needed to be. I felt like I had to drink when I went out. I felt like every time I went to a friend's house, I had to take shots with them. I felt like in order to be relaxed and enjoy myself, I had to have some type of alcohol before I left the house or anything like that. So for me, it wasn't necessarily cold turkey. I had said after the surgery that I would give myself, just try to cut liquor and I could still drink wine or Prosecco or whatever. So I didn't cut it out like Ebony did completely at one time, but that is the goal. And it's because I feel like a lot of us don't know who we are outside of alcohol. I mean, when you look at it, everywhere we go it's alcohol involved. We go to brunch, there's mimosas, we go for Thanksgiving at the family's house. Everybody got a bottle of alcohol. How did your support system and your circle change? Because I imagine that it had to in order for
1: you to stay consistent with it. Absolutely. So, the first thing that I did, I sent out text messages. Mind you, now I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trusting myself. I'm just going with what feels right. Right. <laughs> right? So, I'm texting my family, I'm texting my friends, like, hey, I've made a decision to stop drinking and I would appreciate your support. Mm-hmm. Some people text back, it's like, yeah, yeah, we've heard it all before. I believe it when I see it. And, you know, all the things. Everybody wasn't supportive. And it, that's when I realized that a lot of people were just connected to my dysfunction. Mm. Right. And we didn't have a lot in common besides the fact that we like to drink. I like to take shots together. (laughs) Right. We like (laughs) to take shots. We like to drink and all those things. But once I got to the point where my child was involved and I saw that my child was being impacted, it didn't matter what anybody else thought. Right. Mm. So I sent out those text messages. But I think the most important thing that I did for myself was actually start to journal as to why. Why is a big, bad three-letter word. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And the support, I think the people that were connected to my dysfunction, they kind of weaned themselves out. And God sent me people to support me on the show. You wasn't fun no more, right? I wasn't fun no more. I was so boring. I didn't want to do anything. I literally went into hiding because Mm -hmm. to your point, alcohol is everywhere. So I stayed in my safe space and my safe space was home because that's the only place that I had control over that alcohol was not readily available to Mm -hmm. me. But God sent me people through coworkers, just random friendships, random associates or whatever, just to support me. And I did have a few friends that's like, hey, I'm not going to stop drinking. But if we're spending time together, I do have enough respect for you not to drink mm-hmm. in front of you, mm-hmm. especially in these beginning stages. For sure. So those yeah. were the people that I connected myself to. And I did find out that I had one person, which is my son's godmother, who I reached out to. And I was talking to her. And she, was, and she was 35 at the time. She was like, you know, I've never had a drink in my life. I'm like, what? Yeah.
0: Isn't is that not crazy when you hear people say that? It's right. Like,
1: <laughs> who introduced me to this and why? Okay. <laughs> you like, know? If you don't drink, what do you do? That's a great question. That's a
0: good question. Like, because you ask yourself that, because when you go from going to certain types of places to, like you said, staying in your safe space, but I guess the question is, your safe space, eventually you got to go back out in the world and function without it. So how did you eventually get to that point where you figured out where you could go? Or did you just kind of stay home for a period of time until you had a little bit more discipline?
1: Yes, a little more discipline. And I say until my no muscle was strong enough. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So saying no to like what? Going certain places or just? Being able to say no to alcohol without getting that feeling like I'm doing something wrong Mm -hmm. because I'm no longer participating in everything that everybody participating in drinking like everybody else is doing or participating Mm -hmm. in something that people kind of expected of me. So I started drinking heavily because it made me feel like I had a sense of belonging Something that I'd always craved for, right? Mm-hmm. And it also gave me a sense of boldness to kind right. of say things that I wouldn't sober or mm-hmm. to do things that I wouldn't sober. So I fell in love with that. Right. So here I am. Once I stopped drinking, I had to figure out who am I truly without who alcohol.
0: am I truly? Yeah. Is this like night and day most of the time? Yeah. Yeah. Literally, certain things don't rouse you up as easy. Mm-hmm. You don't even like certain things. Right. <laughs> like, did I really ever like the club or I liked it because I wasn't really totally myself? Because right. let me tell you something. And this is when I really knew, Ebony, that I had to change my environment. Or like you said, stop going certain places until I could. So my no muscle was strong enough. So I'll never forget a week and a half before my surgery. Me and a couple of my girlfriends went to this R&B picnic. Usually we all buy a bottle, we all make sure we got the hookah ready, and we be vibed out no matter who else is not having fun. And I just remember, well, one, in the back of my mind, I knew I had the surgery coming up. I couldn't drink excessively. But that was my first time being somewhat sober at an event like this. It felt like I was in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was getting on my nerves. I couldn't understand why people around me was having fun. Like I'm thinking, I could have did this at home. I was so uncomfortable. I was looking at my watch the whole time, like, is it time to go? And that happened to me a couple of times before I was like, yeah, this ain't it. And then on Thanksgiving, let me tell you something. Thanksgiving is usually like the drunkest day of the year for like me and my family. We start early in the morning and we go all night until we crash. Everybody got on my nerves that day. That was my first holiday sober. It felt good though, turning down shots and turning yeah. down drinks and going home and getting a good clear night's sleep and while everybody's over the next day. I'm like, what are we doing today? It just felt so different, but it is difficult. Yeah. So during that time of you building your no muscle and staying more at home, what things did you do to keep your mind not idle? Did you do anything to exercise that muscle other than journaling?
1: So I journaled and I think something that was super important to my journey was I wrote letters to my parents. Why your parents? My parents, because I feel like that's where a lot of my hurt and pain resided. That forced me to try to hide behind alcohol.
0: Okay. You can right? explain like
1: what's the background there? The history. So I'm a fatherless daughter. My dad was married, what, maybe 10 years before I was conceived. So I'm his mm-hmm. extra kid okay, got you. <laughs> outside of his marriage. So he wasn't present in my life. So I always had those feelings of unworthiness. I always felt like if I wasn't worthy enough to keep my dad around, I'm probably not worthy to anyone. I'm probably not lovable to anyone. And in addition to my dad's physical absence, my mom was emotionally absent and I'm her only child. Ooh. So I saw her just like, I see you, but I didn't feel her. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always questioned, like, was my life a mistake? And so I carried that. And early on, I attached myself to the opposite sex really early because I had that void there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as I got older and I started to drink, I resented myself for some of the decisions that I made with men mm-hmm. and also some of the decisions that I just made in life, period. So alcohol just kind of, even for a moment, allowed me to forget about those things, to not feel them, to not think about them, to not be present with them because I wasn't present to anything, not even myself. Mm -hmm. So I wrote those letters to my parents to let them know that I know now that it wasn't my fault. I was a child in the midst of all that. And I can no longer carry that. But the thing that I did was I wrote those letters, but I did not give those letters to my parents because I felt like it was for me. So I burnt them because my grandmother always say there's more room out than in. So in the beginning stages, I was sure to get everything out and off of me. Yeah. So I wrote those letters to my parents. I began to journal. And while I was always a physically present mother to my son, when I stopped drinking, I was able to be more emotionally present. So I attached myself to, I have to be present for Mm Jalen. So that was something as well that kind of helped me. And when I finally went back out, my first time going back out, it was my birthday. I stopped drinking in January, (laughs) my birthday in March, right? (laughs) It was my 30, what was it? 31st birthday. Mm -hmm. My family was around and I remember them offering me drinks and I was just like, no. I don't want to drink. I don't drink. I stopped drinking in January. Remember? I told y'all, right? right, right. <laughs> so it was March 8th. My birthday's March 7th. So when I woke up on March 8th without a hangover, without a text message telling me how I humiliated myself last night, that was when I truly knew that I, I can do Thank this. You. Yeah. That's
0: something. Yeah. That's strength though. Cause you know, your birthday is when you really turn it up.
1: Yeah, and it's all about you. Like, you can get all the
0: shots you want. All that you you want. Free drinks. Yes. So, okay, that's beautiful. So, you mentioned your son. Did he ever express to you that he noticed the change? And did you ever sit down with him and have the conversation about your transformation?
1: He says little things. Not so much anymore, because it's been nine years. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) In the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, he would say things to me like... I just really thought you liked cranberry juice. Bless his heart. He thought the red wine was cranberry no. juice. And- <laughs> what?
0: Did you tell him that or he just assumed that it was cranberry he, juice? He
1: just assumed it. You know, when he was trying to put two two and two together oh. in his little mind. Bless and his heart. He's like, I thought you really liked cranberry juice. And I'm like, No, baby, that wasn't cranberry juice. I actually no. don't like cranberry juice at all. Uh- <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, so, He saw the entire transformation and he'll still, he'll say little things here and there, but I would try to explain it to him, but he only had the brain capacity to understand so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now that he's 16 and he's having some experiences with himself out in the world, now I can make it all make sense. I can bring Mm -hmm. it all together. And that's Mm -hmm. probably the thing that I'm most grateful for now in this sobriety because he saw me transition. So he trusts me with his struggles. Yes, yes. Because he knows now that things do happen in life. Right. We can't get caught up in things. We can detour off the path of our journey. But I trust my mama because I saw my mama come out of this on the other side. That's so beautiful. He shares, though, He's able to share those parts of himself with me.
0: Right, and because he's seen that When he experiences that, if he ever does, he'll know that he has a safe space to come back to, which I think is very important because it's hard to get that in family in general because they don't see themselves in the space that you're in and it might seem far-fetched to them. So I know that alcoholism does run in a part of my family and I've always been aware of it. And in the back of my mind, I've always said that I didn't want to play with that too much Mm -hmm. because you'll wake up one day and you'll be an alcoholic as well so did alcoholism run in your family in any part of your life did you notice it
1: absolutely absolutely it was everywhere Mm -hmm. still to this day I'm probably the only person of age in my family that does not
0: drink drink yeah do they still try to slide you a glass here and there? Absolutely. Or do they just totally respect them? That you, that Absolutely you know? not. Were they always like that? Or in the beginning, did they try to test you and tempt you to see if you were serious?
1: In the beginning, I think they tried it. But yeah, they don't play with me no more. They don't play with you no more. They, they play, cause I, you know, I think there's a part of some of them that's like, hey, I really want to join her, join her on this journey. Mm-hmm. But, you know, family kind of look at you different. And because we know each other's ins and outs and ups and downs mm-hmm. and they want to come and be like hey could you help yeah. me right yeah. but you can see them in the corner admiring you see uh-huh. it? yeah <laughs> That's kind of how I feel,
0: too, is like on Thanksgiving, I'm the one that's not drinking, taking the shots and stuff. And I'll be honest, it it was difficult. If I'm being completely honest, it's like I could just have one. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm thinking about all the days that I'm counting like that having and I'm like, no, I'm not going to backside. I'm not going to yeah. do it. And I didn't do it. But there are times where I'm like, should I be doing this cold turkey or do I need to give myself a little grace? But then it's that fine line of giving yourself grace and going overboard and finding yourself back into that same trap. And so for me, because it's been a little difficult, especially recently, I'll be honest, it has been very difficult recently. I've had so much happening in my personal life and then trying to stay on top of the podcast and some major changes at work. I've been like, oh, what I would do for a shot after work today. And then I'll just dive into reading a book or watching a YouTube video and then I'm tired and distracted and I don't care anything about it. And so it's like, I'm finding that muscle being stretched, but worked, but it is very, very, very difficult. And to your point about your circle changing, my circle has totally changed. I literally don't even, maybe one or two people that I still, and it's like no beef. I just have no desire to hang with these people anymore. and. I have no desire to explain it. It's- and that's
1: how it is. I love you, but I can love you from afar. I can love you from over here, you know? Because sometimes we realize that the people were, that we were attached to or that we were in relationship with, they're just not conducive to who we're trying to become. Mm-mm. And that's At all because you grow in different directions. I'll tell you something. My very best friend I'm talking about, we was two peas in a pod. You saw one, you saw the other. She's my line mm-hmm. sister. And her birthday, we was always talking about turning 40. We both turned 40 this year. Girl, I texted her on her birthday. And I was like, girl, you're 40. Happy 40th birthday. And she texted me back, who was this? And I was like, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow. And, and I text everybody at 12 o'clock on the dot on their birthday. So when I was like, it's Ebb," She was like, I knew it was you because you're the only one that texts people at 12 o'clock. And I'm like, what? But so she we- wasn't joking. She was serious. She, she was dead serious. But I say that to say you become so disconnected to people when you aren't on the same journey. And it hurt. I ain't gonna lie. I might have oh, cried. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. I cried. But, you know, you grow in different directions. And just like you said, it's no beef. We're just doing different things. We're making different decisions. hmm
0: Yeah. And I shared on TikTok the other day how when you do become sober and you get a clearer mind and a clearer heart, in a clear understanding of who you are, you realize who takes you serious Mm -hmm. and who really loves you. Because I think there's a lot of surface level friendships and love going on. Like we say, hey, sis, I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you. But like when it comes down to us having a different path, can you still love me as this new person, as this sober person? And I had someone that's supposed to be my friend pulled up to their house And they were like, come on, let's take a shot. Two things ran across my mind. Did you forget that I'm sober now? Or are you testing me? Either way, not cool. Right. I agree. And in that moment, I decided that I had to cut that person off because you're not taking my healing serious. You think this is just a 30-day detox or a trend. This is something that I'm doing for more reasons than the obvious. I'm doing it because I'm trying to be a better person. I need to be closer to God. I need so many things to be the person I'm supposed to be. To keep the impact that I'm supposed to have. And if you're not in alignment with that end goal for me, there's nothing for us to talk about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes people test you because it's almost because they feel like they know you so well. They look at you like, I dare you once you sober up, you start to really see people, right? Mm-hmm. And most people don't want to be seen. And then two, they also have that thought in their minds because you have taken a different path that you're judging them. Very true. So if I can get you on this same, if I can keep you on this same vibration as we've always been, you won't see me for the truth of who I am. Mm-hmm. But that's not a you problem, though.
0: Like... <laughs> That's the thing. and that's the, that's the crazy thing because it's like, I'm on this journey, not you. I never told you you had to join me. Right. Now, I'm if you're inspired to. You. And then they make it awkward for no reason. And it's, no it's reason. like, I never said you couldn't drink in front of me. I never said you couldn't continue on your journey because it's yours. And I never want anyone to do anything they don't want to do. This is for everybody watching and listening. This is by no means because we're sober. You got to be. If you're inspired to be or if God is nudging at your heart like he did ours to make a change, then by all means, you will lose friends. You will be called a grandma because people are calling me that now more than they call me. And it's like, dang, was I that much more fun when I was getting drunk all the time? Like, I don't imagine that I was that much more fun.
1: No. Like yeah. you said,
0: might have talked a little bit more, right. might have said a little bit. <laughs> but you know, I haven't even it got to the point where it wasn't fun when I woke up the next day and my friends had to tell me what I said or what I did, and I don't even
1: remember. Oh no. I don't no. even remember. Those text messages that say girl, i will be like, Oh hell. that's when you know right. like what's coming up. <laughs> you like nervous. Like, what I don't do even do? want to know. Then they recap the whole night, and you are just like, yeah, nah. I don't remember any of that. I remember. That's the worst. The That's
0: worst. The- and it's, see, I don't know if it's the age thing, too, because when you the older you get, I feel like it got worse. Mm-hmm. Like, my memory got worse. And then, let me tell you the truth. I started circling the block on some dudes that I shouldn't have been circling the block on, and it was always after a night of drinking. hmm And it's like... Oh, no, this yeah. ain't this. I can't be out here because I, when I wake up the next day and I'm fine. Now I'm re- I got all the regrets in the world. And it was a series of those types of events that was happening. I really knew I needed to stop, but I just could not. It just felt like I couldn't pull back. Like, right. what outlet am I going to go to if it's not alcohol? Mm hmm. And then I had to stop smoking hookah. And God knows that was my favorite thing to do because it was like I needed one. They worked together for me.
1: Yeah, they worked together.
0: So it's not like I could stop drinking and then keep smoking hookah. I had to literally do both at the same time. But anyway, literally bad decisions after bad decision after bad decision. (laughs) And... I just knew that something had to change. Something had to change and something had to change quickly for me because I knew that everything I had been praying for, that was the thing that was really hindering me because I was looking to alcohol as an outlet, as a boost for a, a personality boost or like you said, like, Oh, I can say more what I need to say if I got a little buzz and it's just a little buzz, but it's like, then you become dependent on that buzz to be who you are. But is that really who you are? Who you
1: are absolutely not. Absolutely not. I tell people now, if you have to have a drink to be around them, those aren't your people. Mm-mm. If you have to have a drink to do it, it's probably just not fun to you. Everything is not fun to everybody. Very true. You know, <laughs> You know, Very like true. you absolutely don't have to go there. You it's don't like have- even as simple as dancing.
0: Like, yeah, I'm not even a dancer. I was only dancing in the club because I was drunk. <laughs> I literally so go sit and just bob my head. I'm not trying to twerk, shake my butt. I'm not trying to do none of that because that's just not who I am at my that's core. To
1: me, I have not like danced, danced since I've been under the <laughs> influence because I don't dance at all hey that's, okay. that's okay and
0: that's okay that's okay if you look at everybody that is doing it because when you're sober and you're in an environment with people that aren't you see everything yeah and it's like everybody's doing the same thing because everybody's under the influence i recommend everybody get sober and go somewhere that just watch. People aren't and just watch just and sober. i'm telling you <laughs> if you gonna get on your nerves real bad i'll give you, you the biggest about?
1: reality check I used to be like, dang, I used to look like that. I used to... I knew I was like so annoying. I was not the aggressive drunk. I was the drunk that I wanna sit in the corner, I wanna face. you giggling face. the whole time? I will giggle, I'm caressing your face. I wanna hold hands. I just wanna love everybody.
0: Oh my god. You were that one, yeah.
1: So annoying. So now when somebody else is under the influence and that's their thing, I'm like no yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. Like, you literally
0: have to get to know yourself all over again. All over again. And be okay with the things that might not seem normal about you. Like, we just talked about. I don't even really like the dance. So, that was one thing I was only doing because I was drunk. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really even like this type of person, if I'm being honest. But I was around them because we're drinking together. So yep. it's easy to disguise and those things get clouded. So I'm just, I'm grateful for being here. It is a challenge, but I definitely want more than anything for anyone watching or listening this to get that it is a journey. Don't miss that part. Don't let it go over your head. It's a journey. There are going to be days that are hard. there are going to be days that are easy and you don't even think about it because overall, I'm not thinking about drinking. It's right. only when life starts squeezing me by the neck. Like, Recently, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, tequila, <laughs> just one shot, <laughs> just one, and then I want to call up the people who's still doing it because it'll Please be easy, and it. they won't question me and say, oh, well, I thought you weren't drinking. It's gonna oh, be open, hard. For
1: open arms. They're, oh, they're, we knew you would be bad. We, right. We be back. Come on, give me some Absolute, sugar. Absolutely, it's, not- it's difficult. In those early stages where I kind of felt like I might need a drink, I just kind of had to start asking myself, has alcohol ever solved this for me? Mm -hmm. You know, has it ever solved anything? And now I tell people to just simply ask yourself, what is it that I truly need in this moment? Outside of the alcohol. Outside of the alcohol. Do I just need to be seen? Do I need to be heard? Do I need to have a conversation Shoot, do I just need a hug? Mm -hmm. What is it that you truly need that you're using alcohol to kind of, you know, stray away from? Like, we have to start being honest with ourselves. And I think it's a lot of work, but it's so rewarding because I have days now where I need a drink is never a thought. But in order for me to continue on this path, I have to be honest to say, hey, there's something that you said that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. This is what I heard. But what did you really say? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we can hear things differently with it, than what it was said. Especially me, because I can create a whole narrative in my head. Oh, me too, girl. A whole story, <laughs> Tyler Perry. Right. A whole entire story. Like, mm-hmm. this is the script. They don't know what the hell
0: going on. Right. Full time. It's just you, the movie in your head.
1: It's, it's in my head. But, you know, I just have to involve other people. It, will, it When it involves other people, I have to get that clarity mm-hmm. in order for me to stay well in my mind. That's a good question that I like, has alcohol ever solved this? Once you take the shot, will the issue go away or will it still be there?
0: Or are you just making it worse because or are you of just making... the decisions that will follow, of <laughs> the fact that you let a moment go that you should have spoken up for yourself or mm-hmm. had the conversation, like you said, all very important. And it's hard to look yourself in the mirror. The hardest thing to do is, is ask yourself those questions. Yeah. But- the best thing you can do for yourself is to be honest with yourself because everything after that follows, it falls in line every time and having people around you is important. Even if it's not the people that you started the journey with, that's the hardest part is the people are going to change. They're going to differ, but I'm just grateful for your time. And I learned a lot about you today that I didn't know already. And you continue to encourage me just watching your journey. Every time you make an update,
1: I'm like, Oh yes. Absolutely. And that, that's why I do it at this point. Like I stopped counting a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's nine years for me, but somebody's on day one, somebody's on week one, month one, and they need to see that it can be done. And that was actually one of the promises that I made to God when I first stopped drinking. I said, God, if I can make it a year sober, I'm totally going to continue to scream this from the mountaintop. But around a year, maybe six or seven, I was like, well, I'm tired of this sobriety conversation. I'm tired of talking about it. I don't want to talk about sobriety anymore. And God's like, get back. He drag (laughs) you by your coat. So did you
0: share it publicly when you first decided to be sober or did you wait a while?
1: I was sober for a year before I said anything publicly. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was sober for a year. And when I stopped drinking, I went on social media and I wanted to see somebody that looked like me, share their story of how they've been sober. Hey, I don't drink Mm -hmm. alcohol anymore. And I found one person Mm -hmm. and I Mm -hmm. said, well, God, I'll be that girl. You'll be that girl. I'll be that girl. And I'm holding true to that promise. And it's so much more that I could be doing. But I had to get into a space where it was very authentic because, I mean, there's still work behind the scenes that I'm doing myself Mm -hmm. and I don't want to just pop out trying to help other people with certain things that I haven't conquered myself.
0: I feel you and I feel that deeply. Yeah. (laughs) I feel that deeply. I feel that deeply with this, with the sobriety. I don't know, Ebony. I'm always conflicted because I'm like, I've already shared this. People already know this is the journey I'm on. What if I have a slip up? what does that say about me? Does that make me a liar? Does that make me inauthentic? You know, I literally have these battles in my mind about this journey because it is a very important journey, but I'm human also. I was just about to say, that's that's all it makes you. It
1: makes you human. Nothing else. It makes you human. Life is going to happen. Life is going to hit. And sometimes it just happens. Someone called me about two weeks ago and she was like, you were the only person in the world I knew that I could call in this moment. And she stopped drinking. Then she slipped up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, girl, give yourself some grace. We as women have to learn how to give ourselves the grace that we give everybody else. So what if it happens? So what mm-hmm. if it happens? You get back on the horse and you start I back over. Start over, over again. You start That's over. what I'm
0: telling myself is like. And not that I'm anticipating that. Yeah, right. But should it happen, I'm not gonna beat myself up about it. But then, then there's, there's that part of me that's like, you already told these people you're sober. Who cares? That's the the journey, right? Right. Do you know anybody that started a journey and didn't detour at some point? That's the part of it. It's like the GPS. Sometimes you're going to be going that way and then you might stop off for a little McDonald's that you're not supposed to in. absolutely. But, you know, I want to remain truthful. That's my number one thing. No matter what it is, it it could be this or anything else. I got to remain truthful because truth holds me accountable. Like when I know the absolute truth about myself, I can work with that.
1: (laughs) Yes. You can lie to the world all day long, but you're going home with yourself. Period. And you be like, girl, now you know. that, that was cool. was, <laughs> the, bottle, <laughs> the bottle gonna have
0: eyes and mouths and ears and like talking to me. And I'm like, you just told us, like you girl, get it together. So, you know, it's a part of the journey. And so if you're watching or listening, I just want you to take away from this conversation that it is a journey. Get around people, even if they're not in person, like, this is Ebony and I's for, like second conversation, and in, well, in per, it was in person once, and then now virtually. But like I said, I've always been connected to her story. I'm always watching her post, and it encourages me, even if I don't tell her every day or every time she posts. So find people like Ebony if you want to be sober. Follow Ebony, just watch her journey. She's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But you can take bits and pieces of our lives and look at yourself and look at your situation and say, why am I drinking? What's the underlying reason? Why do I need to be sober? What would a sober life look for me? And honestly, it's a beautiful journey because you are discovering who you are underneath
1: all that stuff. It's so beautiful. Like I told people, I met myself for the first time. I didn't know who I was out here. Did not. I had no idea. I'm pretending to like things that I know I don't like and do all this and be around these people. Girl, I can go watch grass grow and I'll Let be me so content And be happy as a pet cat, cat. You hear me? Like literally, it'll be the biggest vibe. Biggest vibe, and you gain that strength to be able to say no. That's mm-hmm. not for me. You're not for me. And you be okay with that because no is one of those hard things to say for a lot of people. But I think on this journey, the more you get to know yourself and trust yourself, you're okay with saying no. It's mm-hmm. not me.
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Ebony. This was a great conversation. Yes. I knew I was going to enjoy it. I appreciate you. Are welcome. you. I appreciate you. your light and your story and just who you are tell the people how they can connect with you do you have anything coming up that we need to know about
1: not at the moment but i am on all social media platforms ebony k english don't forget the k don't forget the k don't forget
0: the k awesome i'll make sure and put all of her information down in the description y'all connect with her she's someone to watch and i look forward to connecting with all of you on social media everywhere all of the information is in the description make sure you share this episode with a friend subscribe and leave a review and until the next episode i'll see y'all soon all soon Alrighty, bye thank you
1: y'all <laughs> i am